Episode 130 for February 2011. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. And their discounts start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trade paperbacks. A spider example this episode is for Amazing Spider-Man number 662. This one is written by Christos Gage and Dan Slott. And in this issue, Spidey continues his team-up with the Avengers Academy as they go up against the Psycho Man. The cover price for this one, $3.99. Mail order has it for just $1.99, which is 50% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Welcome back, gang. We're continuing to answer your message board questions. And we have another hour of them for the last show of February. Our first one is from Greg XB, and he aims it to JR. JR, a lot of people yeah. seem to be piling on Norman in the wake of Roderick Kingsley's passing. I'll say allegedly passing. Yeah, I think he's still alive. And saying that modern Norman was giving Kingsley's personality a Machiavellian bent. What do you think of this? Mm, yeah. I haven't been thinking much of it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm not familiar with all this chatter that's going around, supposedly, about uh, people saying this, uh, and I don't care if they are. The um, thing is, Kingley's personality and Norman's were always very different. You know, uh, Norman was nuts. Uh, Kingley, Kingsley was not. Kingsley, when you heard saw his thoughts, he was always much more methodical uh, in his planning. Uh, Norman is a master planner, but uh, a look inside his head would probably be, you know, would probably be uh, like an LSD trip for most of us. Um, but you know, what if you have a continuing character, whether it's the Kingpin, whether it's Norman, whether it's Lex Luthor, who's kind of lurking behind the scenes, they're all going to be Machiavellian. You know, because you're not going to have them fighting with the hero all the time. You can't have them punching out the hero all the time. So they stay in the seat behind the scenes and they plot. You know, I mean, Dr. Octopus right now is doing something Machiavellian. You know, I mean, that's that's what you do with supervillains who are lurking in the dark. So uh, I don't uh, I don't I don't I don't see that the argument has any merit. Okay. Kevin, a question and a comment. Here's the question. I'm getting ready to start checking out the Green Lantern comics. Where do you recommend I start? Uh, well, it, it depends a lot on what your goal is. If your goal is to get into the modern stuff and you want to get the full story, you don't mind buying a lot of trades, definitely start with Green Lantern Rebirth. Um, I would go through all the the entire Jeff Johns run. If you're not willing to do that, then you can pretty much just go Rebirth to Sinestro Corps War to Blackest Night, get the big tent poles. Uh, and if you're just interested in general, I'd recommend any Kyle Rayner trades you can find. Um, we talked about this last podcast, actually. Um, but yeah, if you're looking to get into the the current stuff, you absolutely have to read Green Lantern Rebirth and Sinestro Core War, and, and all the Jeff Johns run is good. Okay. Here's the comment: When you get to Los Angeles, if you ever want some decent fast food, check out the In and Out Burger. I've heard they're so good. I've never had them. I think that's the one they talked about in the Big Lebowski, isn't it? I'm not sure. Yeah. Anybody had an it? Um, no. No, 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 in, no, in, no ins or outs. Anybody had a White Castle? No. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh we I have crystals had crystals down here. I have so. had many a White Castle in my day, yeah. both sober and not sober. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have crystal. Had uh, go ahead, Zach. Sorry, Bailey. I'm, That's okay. Um, I've never had a White Castle. Are, are they are they any good? I, I've always heard about this mythical White Castle stuff. Oh, dude, they're so good. They're so good. But we, uh, oh, but but you know, we have we have um, Whataburger, so we we own y'all. Yes, you do. Um, <laughs> White Castle crystals. 
which is the redneck cousin to uh, to White Castle down here. <laughs> White Castles are like, you know, Skyline Chili or any other kind of cult food. Those who like it love it, and those who don't like it cannot stand it. So. Exactly. I was going to say, There's except no White Castles are good and Skyline sucks. Since <laughs> <laughs> so, you weren't on that month, what do you think of that, the Kingsley? I, you, I thought you already gave you a review of that. Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay. No, you- I wasn't. No, that month I was not on. Oh, I um, gotcha. I, I, I just wonder, I guess, why we're doing all this stuff to the classic heroes. I mean, Doc Ock is like a shade of himself now. Scorpion doesn't look like Cyber Scorpion. Doc. But at least, you know, Matt Gargan is Scorpion again. And then, you know, we kill off uh, Roderick Kinsley. So uh, it, it's it's interesting. I guess we'll just see what the writers decide to do with uh, Phil. Yeah, and Uncle Ben. Bailey, yeah. Joker comes to Manhattan to fight Spidey, and Green Goblin heads to Gotham to fight Batman. What happens? Okay, uh, Goblin throws a, pu- a pumpkin bomb or two, and Batman probably takes him out with great difficulty, but I don't see it being a long, protracted, like, Norman scheming and doing something. It just seems like something, uh, just a fight between the two. I don't know if JR would agree with me on that. Um, Joker goes to Manhattan, kills a bunch of people, ties up Mary Jane. Spider-Man beats the piss out of him, but after having to go through a bunch of psychological jokes and stuff, so uh, yeah. It's, no, no, it's no it would be uh, it would be Carly Sue. I mean, Carly Cooper. <laughs> ah, well, yeah. I, I've never read the Batman Spider-Man team ups, so uh, the closest I've ever seen Spider-Man and Joker together <laughs> was DC versus Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. So I was fixing to mention that with Ben Riley. Jr. Does Batman take out Norman? I think Norm. I think eventually, because I think Bruce Wayne is smart enough to realize that the way that you beat Norman Osborn is you have Norman Osborn beat himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Bruce would figure that out pretty quickly. Uh, to me, who would you most like to see the Venom symbiote possess next besides Eddie Brock? <clears throat> yeah, that's my answer, Eddie Brock. How about Flash Thompson? I think Flash uh, <laughs> Thompson would be a great idea. Anybody else? Flash? Maybe? No, I don't know. No, that's not a good idea at all. That was being sarcastic. I think it's a good idea. <clears throat> Zach. I don't appreciate your sarcasm. <laughs> my, my bad, my bad. Zach, who would you want to see the Gwen Stacy clone be brought back? What I want to see? Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, I don't trust anybody that, that's writing at Marvel to properly handle the character and the complexities of that character. Um, There's, there's a lot of stuff going on with her that you just got to. I'm good. I don't want another Gwen Stacy clone. The proto-goblin, Globlin, proto-goblin. Uh, Bailey, what are your opinions on the Man of Steel reboot from the 80s and the rest of the Burn Era Superman stories from that time frame? Well, uh, that's actually when I started reading Superman. Um, I do an entire podcast on that, actually, called From Crisis to Crisis. Uh, Byrne did a lot of good things uh, to reestablish the character for the late 80s, uh, but... As years have gone on, I've realized that I actually prefer the stuff that writers like Roger Stern and Dan Jurgens and Jerry Ordway and Louise Simonson did with the character using his template uh, and moving forward with it. But uh, I, there are six volumes right now called Superman the Man of Steel that reprint the entire first year in the Man of Steel miniseries of the Superman books from the cover date 80, 1987, and I can't recommend them enough. Cool. Uh, let's see. Kevin, if you came face-to-face with Morbius and he told you he was getting the urge to feed, what would you do to stay alive? I would put some gloves on him so he couldn't suck out my plasma. <laughs> that sucks. I need the plasma. <laughs> Stella, your plasma. favorite Batgirl story. <laughs> um... Oh, I mean, is this really a surprise? Batgirl year one. Okay. Any any progress on the trade? I know you had a petition. Oh, you mean the movie? Um, oh, I besides, thought you had the trade coming back. In, in, there are no the the trade is already out there. The issue is that the same time that they announced there was a Batgirl year one movie, they announced that it's not going to happen. Uh-oh. So then, yeah, I had that petition, and I got, uh, I think I'm in like the 687 range, is kind of kind of slowed to a stop, but people know about it. I mean, Bruce Tim knows about it, big wigs know about it, because I wrote a letter, and they actually wrote back to me. Nice. So, it's just, you know, it's a matter of time, hopefully, and you know, if I do go to San Diego Comic Con, and I see Bruce Tim, I will straight up ask him. <laughs> 
what's going on here. So, I mean, we'll see. Nice. JR, what do you think the best media adaption of Norman Osborne has been, and what do you think the worst adaption has been? You can only use ones you've actually seen, so if you haven't seen Great Southern Gentleman Norman with the musical, then you can't use that one. <laughs> well, I haven't seen that, it, so, I, so I guess that eliminates it. Yeah. Um, that's actually, I would say the – I'm sorry, Brad? That's got to be the worst, though, the Great Southern Gentleman, Michael. Well, like I said, I haven't seen it. Plus, that would be a, plus that would be a, like, you know – Shooting fish in a barrel—that's too easy. I would say, I would say probably the best. Now, you know, again, without going into a whole lot of detail, is probably the uh, spectacular Spider-Man cartoon show. I think that showed Norman is always in control uh, from day one, uh, and uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, even though he was working with Tombstone, he wasn't Tombstone's lackey. You know, he had his own. Whereas Norman in the '90s cartoon, I think, was a lackey of the Kingpin. And I really didn't care for that because Norman was never really in, in command or in charge of anything. He was just kind of doing the kingpin's bidding. But um, so that was probably my least favorite. Uh, but the the thing with to give the '90s show, you know, credit. I mean, for having him because at the time it debuted, Norman was not Norman was dead in the comics. I mean, he had been yeah. a long dead character in the comics. So you know, the the creators of that show have to be given credit for uh, reaching back and and and, and using him. That'd be John Simper. Okay. I I thought the I thought the movie had was cool. I thought uh, Defoe did a great job, but the costume uh, sucked. D- Defoe did what he could with mm-hmm. uh, the story and dialogue, but I mean, there's sometimes he goes over the top, you know, yeah. and and it kind of uses the split personality thing, which I don't really care for. Wow. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, Brad, if you were told Kevin and George were about to face off in a cage match with the Marvel editor in chief position, going to the victor, who would you put your money on? I'm sorry, Kev. <laughs> you better be. No, I'm sorry, Kev. I gotta, I gotta vote for George. He'd slap you with bacon. But you think you're sorry now? Just wait. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've just been banned from my own site. Uh, Mighty dude, what are your top three and top bottom stories from the Clone Saga? <laughs> um, top three would be, uh, in no particular order, Power and Responsibility, Revelations, and um, Lost Years. Mm-hmm. Bottom three would be Planet of the Symbiotes, Maximum Clonage, and because they're essentially the same story, Players and Pawns and um, Smoke and Mirrors. Was Players and Pawns the one with Joystick? No. Okay. Although the Scarlet Spider is a number, it was, it was a close number four. Okay. Yeah, that'd be yeah, was... the Scarlet Spider era has made a fail. Ooh, uh, sarcasmic to the gang in the early days of Spider-Man villains were imprisoned, but never for very long. Nowadays they have facilities like the Raft. And such to keep them behind bars, it seems it's like Spidey can never take down his villains. And so he can't break out of jail as easily as they could back in the day. Examples, Hopgoblin, Doc Ock, and Craven. Do you guys have any suggestions on how Spidey could take a villain down that won't result in losing them for a long time due to imprisonment? Bailey, that's got you written on it. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, Gotta have him come back. I mean, it's just part of the... Yeah, I mean... I mean, outside of, uh, that won't result in losing them for a long time due to imprisonment. Um, God, sending them to the negative zone? <laughs> I, I don't really – see, Ooh. the problem with the question is you if you want to have a villain return, then they've got to break out of jail. Exactly. And the only other option is to kill them. And while Spider-Man is certainly, if I'm correct – uh, has been involved with the death of a villain. You know, he's not the type of guy to, at the end of the the battle to go, <laughs> well, you're done, and put a bullet in his head. So he's not Batman. Batman. Kevin. Batman does. Uh, well, I think he's more adapt to killing somebody than Spider-Man, right? Yeah, Frank Miller's writing him. Yeah. That's it. Uh, Batman <laughs> has a really big no killing clause. Really. Yeah. Yes, and in fact, that's why, Stephanie Brown, that's why Stephanie Brown had to step down as Robin, is because she was going to use something that would uh, involve lethal force to take down a to take down someone they were fighting, and he's like, "No, you're out. Go, leave now." Of all people, yeah, I'm really concerned that Brad doesn't know this or why of he doesn't. Of all I people, guess. I thought Batman would take people out like the Punisher. No, no. especially when oh. his parents were killed. Well. Yeah. He, he abhors well, the, pun- the Punisher's family was killed, but he kills. 
Yeah, but it's yeah, two but... different. It, it's two different people. It's it's not Batman wasn't a trained special forces operative uh, when when his parents were gunned down in front of him, and and it and it had the exact opposite effect on Batman. Uh, Never knew this. Whereas he hates guns, which is why Batman Year Two is like kind of funky mm-hmm. uh, when you read it. But no, he's. He he's he's the no killing. Uh, you kill your he he, okay. he will take you down. Let me ask you a question, Bailey. I know okay. But didn't in the early Bob Kane yes issues he did have a gun. He did have a gun, and he did gun down a hide like monster in his fir- in his second battle with Hugo Strange. But uh, DC, uh, the company that was DC at the time got a lot of complaints and said, we got to clean this character up. And that's when they created Robin. And that's when he became a law abiding citizen, not like the movie, which was actually kind of awesome. Uh, and in a, in a, in an odd bit of, uh, of coincidence, the reason why Superman was made of goody two shoes was to be more like Batman <laughs> back in the golden age. Batman. Uh, Kevin, when you write, uh, <clears throat> as you get phlegm in your throat and you read a question to Kevin, when you write Spider-Man Peter Parker, what are the core concepts of the character you focus on? Well, obviously there's a lot of detail we could go into, but I mean, the, there's very basic things you have to go with. A, he's obviously, he's a superhero, he's a good person intrinsically. Uh, you can't screw with that. But B, I think his most major flaw that leads him into trouble is he's a very emotional person, and he can let his emotions get the better of him. Um, which, you know, can lead to flying off the handle or making stupid decisions. Um, but that's, that's I think, his, his deepest character flaw. And sometimes he used to especially not be very good with uh, people, really, interpersonal relations. It's, I've always seen it like he's really good at science, uh, but people are something that mystifies him a little bit more. And I think he's gotten a lot better at that over the years, uh, but it's still a part of it. Okay. Brad, for sure, and possibly JR, what are you guys thinking about Avengers Academy, particularly issues three and four, which have a large focus on Osborne and an appearance from the man himself? I recommended Avengers Academy. I don't think I've read it past issue two or three, but uh, I'm digging it. I like it. I, I think I recommended JR to pick it up. It's not a... I picked up issues three and four in the back mm-hmm. issue bin, and because nice. uh, my uh, you know, comic book shop's actually having a uh, liquidation sale, so I picked those up. But uh, I mean, you know, I, it just you know the kids want to kill Osborne, and Osborne looks one deep in the eye and starts you know saying many of things typical Norman. Uh, mm-hmm. So nothing, no new ground or anything <laughs> broken. Just good to see him in there. So. Uh, Viper from Johannesburg, South Africa. Brad, if you had the opportunity to interview any Spider-Man supporting cast member or villain, who would it be and what would you ask them? <clears throat> I think I'd have JR on and we'd interview Norman Osborn about why he <laughs> hates Spider-Man, etc. And what do you think of that photographer and why did you get your mind wiped? No, no, no. I, I, Norman Osborn, I think, would be the coolest interview. Of you would also need to have him in chain shackles and make sure he's any sharp objects in his hand. But yeah, yeah that would be a good true. interview. Wouldn't it be a good one, Jerry? You want to ho- co-host that one with me? <laughs> I don't know. I'd be the biggest fanboy. Hey, I love know. your work. Can I have an autograph? <laughs> nice, uh, Zach. Which clone saga character do you feel had the most storytelling potential? What was never really full, fully realized? Jessica figured... Carradine is a, is my answer on that one. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's a great. Answer and I do like that answer. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the supporting cast, I liked her and I liked Desiree and I liked pretty much all the love, almost all the love interests for Ben, which was pretty much uh, Desiree, Jessica Carradine, and um, Janine. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's the which, redhead in Lost Years, right? Yes. Yeah. And Redemption. Yeah. Nice. Um, <clears throat> Other than that, probably in the main characters, I would say probably Kane. I think there's a lot there's a lot more you can do with Kane. Yeah. And not turning him into an eight-eyed freak named the Tarantula <laughs> is well, not the way to go. D. Mateus, I mean, there's so many stories he did. I love the backup he did with the Craven. I thought that oh, was yeah. cool. That was awesome. Uh, JR, Crazy Chris from uh, Living Hell. Uh, <laughs> JR, you said a couple of times that you like the Punisher because you share his ideas on crime and punishment. If the Punisher himself were apprehended, what would be a just sentence for him, or should he receive one at all? 
You've asked a very deep philosophical question, which which is beyond the bounds of uh, what we have the time of. I think it's have. funny. On an offhanded remark one time, you said you love the Punisher, and you get these questions all the time about old Frank time. Castle. I mean, I do. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, personally, yes. I mean, I believe the way that you solve crime, the way you get rid of crime, is you kill the criminals. To me, that's how you do it. However, believing that, okay, and having a functioning society where people do not take the law into their own hands is another thing entirely. I mean, mm-hmm. it's one thing if I kill, you know, if I see somebody attack my family and I blow them away. It's another thing if I say, you know what, I'm just going to go shoot a perp today. Two entirely different things. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's like, like I said, it, and I made a comment politically once about, you know, my state take on international. You know, my attitude is go in and blow them all the hell up, but, that's why I'm not in charge. So, you know, I mean, yeah, from a very personal, visceral, emotional level, of course I do. I agree with him. But from a practical level, well, absolutely not. And if he were captured, he were had to, he would have to face the, the penalty. Yeah. Everyone, do you play any musical instruments? I play the tenor saxophone. Do you really? I do. Really? I played it from the oh, eighth grade I... until my last day of high school. And you still mm-hmm. play it? No, and then he threw it in the trash can and walked away from it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, just like Peter did. Uh, no, I, I, the last time I played it was I was filling it on the morning show. We were live at a uh, music studio, and it took me an hour and a half to remember how to play the NBC chimes. Oh, dear. <laughs> last time I played the, the tenor sax, but uh, no, I, I actually I played that. I was in marching band. I was in the Jeff City Jaybirds. We marched down Main Street, uh, Walt Disney World in my senior year in high school. I got to go behind the scenes of Disney World and saw Winnie the Pooh without a head. Uh-huh. <laughs> I that saw all the traumatic. Disney characters without their heads on and just yeah. 17-year-old dudes in costumes. It was kind of frightening, but it was yeah. fun to be in the band. Anybody yeah. else play a musical instrument? <clears throat> yeah, I, play a I uh, guitar. lead guitar, you say? A little guitar. A little. <laughs> Not much. Um, <laughs> In in the rock band, the Edward Cullens. Um, oh my God! Oh <laughs> God! No! Oh, no! No! Oh. No! Oh, okay. Anyway, no, I played the trumpet, and then in marching band, I played the mellophone, which is like a uh, a marching French horn. And then, as I consider it to be a uh, an <clears throat> instrument, I also use my voice. There you go. So, see, so you're brass, and I'm woodwind. Anybody else? I I'm a. Uh... <clears throat> I'm the same way as as, uh, as Stella. I use my voice as an instrument. So. Okay. Yeah, I sing too. Jr. <laughs> anything? Back in band? <laughs> nothing. Nothing that I want to discuss in mixed company. But, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, <laughs> what do you know? Don't even know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess I do want to know. Venomaniac. <laughs> there. Kev, how do you go from having a lot of different aspects, a story it is in your head, to creating a wonderful cross-based script, for example? I have a lot of ideas for various character subplots, but my issue is creating the superheroics of much of the main plot and weaving everything in organically. Advice? Also, have you read the complete script writer's book by JMS? I actually have that book, but I've not gotten around to reading it yet. Um, as far as the script development goes, it's, it's a long process. I mean, it starts with... I kind of tend to develop everything in my head separately. Like I'll go through, uh, you know, a lot of lines on the superheroic stuff, uh, what's going to happen with supervillains and all that sort of thing. And with each of the characters, I'll develop uh, long arcs, long character arcs for them in my head. Uh, and then after, you know, I've done that, I start breaking down stories and, you know, which character arcs work within a certain arc, which beat for those arcs works in there. Um, and then you break it down further into issues and, you know, what relates to each other, what can play off each other, what works here and there. I mean, I know that's not a terribly specific way of describing that. It's just the way it works in my head. Okay. Any update on Crawl Space? I know you're moving. Uh, yeah, it's uh, not real soon, I would say. I'm... I'd love to say it's coming out any time this month, but I'm a couple of days till moving to California and starting school, so I've just got no idea when I'm going to be able to finish it. 
Uh, JR, what's the difference between Mary Jane and Felicia Hardy? When they're boiled down, they seem to have very similar past experiences and character traits, their playfulness, love of life, etc. What's the difference? Oh, God, there's a big difference. What's that? You know, Felicia's a criminal, you know, mm-hmm. and Felicia, yeah. Felicia has a wire down, uh, mentally where she can justify certain immoral behavior. Um, you know, big difference between the two. Okay. Bailey is the, I just read comics in high school and all my friends did too. Idea myth because I know very few people in my high school who read comics. Um, it it really just depends. For me, that definitely wasn't the case. I mean, I knew a bunch of people who read comics, but I didn't hang out with them. Uh, I was always kind of on my own, um, pretending he's beside me. No, just kidding. Oh, um, good reference. Thank you. Uh, but I I have other friends who you know like my friend Scott who still does a podcast with his high school buddy and they read comics all through high school. So it really just depends on the specific group of people. I had no friends in co- in high school that read comics and I wish the internet was around because that would have been fun. No, I think it would have ruined us. Why? Because <laughs> it would have made us like comic fans today who are just discovering comic uh, comics with the internet. Mm. Uh, S- Stella I discovered ha- comics with the internet, Bailey. Am I a bad person? No, but you also discovered comics when we didn't know when Brian Michael Bendis took a you know had a bowel movement. That's so, true. <laughs> that is you know, true. I just took a sip of Mountain Dew and almost spit it on my computer screen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just I, I think today there is too much communication. Stella, how out of character do you think it was when Spidey webbed the goblin to a piano and turned off the dark and let him fall? Also, do you think it was out of character when the Sinister Six were destroying the world and Peter sat inside, not doing anything until they came after Mary Jane, thus making him the most selfish hero ever? Was this all in the musical? My goodness. Well, any talk now of Spider-Man turn off the dark slightly depresses me because I, I mailed my playbill. Uh, within a padded envelope, within a self-addressed padded envelope, in order to get the lead actress to sign it for me. And it has been five to six weeks, and I have still not received it, so I don't think I'll be getting that playbill back. She so that's it's a little depressing. Um, but to answer your question, I did think it was strange because he did not even attempt to, I don't know, he didn't go, no, or shoot a line or help a matter <laughs> at all. I, I thought that was a little... Little strange. As for the uh, the thing that they were outside and they were having the picnic and everything, that kind of seemed like it was in character, at least for that part of him. Um, I mean, the the big storyline at that point was, you know, he has to fight his greatest enemy, and then you know his greatest enemy at that point was himself. And I mean, he was still pretty guilt ridden though, because he was freaking out on Mary Jane, saying, "What? It's not my fault. It's not my fault. There's a blackout." So I think that that part was um, in character, and of course, you know, if anyone touches Mary Jane, they're going to feel the wrath. So the first one, no, the second one, yes. Zach, I've been wanting to ask you this question for six months. So here goes. Well, that's because I'm never on the – I'll be on the main episode, but I'm never on the uh, message board question. So, yeah. I've always probably thought been six months. that Ben Riley and the Black Cat would make a great couple. He's young enough to be happy with her. He's got assets. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. And She's she, got assets, not him, dude. Really? And she would have learned from her mistakes with Peter and has grown up a little bit. However, she hasn't grown up that much in that she leaves him in the middle of a fight to go steal cake Okay, stuff. this imposter that is <laughs> somehow named Be- uh, Felicia Hardy, because uh, he specifically says in the question, post one more day. So you have this imposter running around named Felicia Hardy. We don't know where the real Felicia Hardy is, but she's missing. Um <laughs> No, I would not want those two to get together because she, because Ben would be like fighting um, um, Laser Wisp or Skull Jacket like he did with her in the uh, Unlimited <laughs> Annual, and he, she would be like, "Oh, I'm gonna leave. I broke a nail. I'll be back." You know, gotta, gotta go take a milk bath. <laughs> yeah, <we're taking laughs> a milk bath. God, that was so fail. Uh, um, <laughs> if you want to see good, hardy. <laughs> Ben Riley interaction. Check out Unlimited Annual number, or excuse me, Unlimited number ten, not the annual, just Unlimited number 10. Unlimited 11. ten. I don't remember that one. That is right. <laughs> it was published right after, um, uh, right as the return of Spider-Man was going on. It's right, right as Ben Riley became Spider-Man, and so it's it's uh, the Skull Jacket was literally the villain they fought. 
So. Yeah. Skull jacket. Wow. Yeah. The first nineties. BD, any chance Mr. Wacker would be up for an interview or a friendly debate? I imagine he would be. He is still on the front page commenting as we speak. Uh, Lady Spider, the Themyscira. Themyscira. There it is. Found by CoverGirl. Uh, Brad's, oh, they, oh, uh, th- now that is funny. He gives me a pronouncer as the very first. Them mascara. It isn't that hard. Well, you aren't me. Uh, Kevin, this is a question I've been thinking about for a while, so please read this and think about it. Between DC and Marvel, who do you think is the most progressive when it comes to things such as gender, sex, race, and etc.? You know, I've been thinking about this one. Um, it, it's hard to nail down because I know both of them are trying. I, I know they are. They're both screwing it up. Uh, neither of them is doing that good a job at it. I think in the end I would have to say DC is doing better, but that doesn't mean they're doing good. Um, it's looking at the, you know, look at how many gay characters, for instance, each one has and what context they're used in. I mean, DC's does DC has the most high profile one in Batwoman. So that's that's a win there. At least, you know, she's getting her own book and everything. But um, you know, again, it's it's also a lesbian, which is much more socially acceptable than gay men. Um, Marvel has Hulkling and Wiccan, but you know, as not exactly Yeah, who cares? Um <laughs> <laughs> nobody cared about North Star when he was alive and he's not even alive anymore. Is he dead? Isn't he? Oh. And did he get revived after he got oh, killed in no. the Mark Miller Wolverine story? Oh, God. Yeah, he did that. Oh, yeah, he did get killed by Mark Miller. I thought he did Thank, thank you, Mark Miller! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the the probably most high-profile gay characters in Marvel are Wiccan and Hulkling, who, again, they were... An actual gay writer had to come in and do that in his series that, you know, they don't ever want to give to anybody else, so they never really get much of an ongoing series because he can barely ever have time to write and again this was a gay man that did that it wasn't like uh you know marvel decided they wanted to do this they're not doing neither of them is doing that well on that front both both companies have a good amount of lesbians (laughs) because again they're going to that guy audience that likes to see it um but they need and dc though now i think about it also had in manhunter they got obsidian and I forget what his name was. It was his boyfriend. But that's not dealt with very much either. Then you go with uh, the race angle. Again, there are problems at both. I mean, DC was doing well getting a lot more racial diversity with legacy heroes. But since they've been trying to revive all the Silver Age heroes, that's come into killing off or giving short shrift to the racially diverse legacy heroes because they've got to get the guys from the Silver Age back. I don't think it's a racial thing on DC's part. I think they really just want their Silver Age characters back, and they all happen to be white. Um but it's still not helping anything. And over at Marvel, I think there's more of a problem that every black character has to come from the hood or be a gangbanger or something. I mean, I know a lot of black people, and none of them come from the hood. None of them <laughs> talk like they come from the hood. None of them have ever been gangbangers. They, you know, they're not all addicted to drugs. It's well, I mean, it's a problem say- where Marvel is trying to – Marvel definitely tries to do the diversity racially, but they do it mostly in stereotypes. And most of the characters they do introduce don't stick. Blade is about the only one. And Luke Cage has certainly gotten a high profile. But, mm-hmm. again, he's the former gangbanger, went to prison and got experimented on in prison. So yeah. you've got all that black exploitation origins still sticking to these characters. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in the end, I think I really do think both companies are trying. I think they're both still rather cowardly about it, and it's not a huge priority for them. I don't think either of them is doing very well, but at this point, I feel like DC is a little better off than Marvel, but just by a tiny margin. Okay. Good answer. Uh, Michael, who would win in a fight between Squirrel Girl and Doomsday? Oh, God, this battle would be so epic. Oh, my God. She she beat Thanos and and, uh, Dr. Doom. It would, uh, I mean, it would would last for, like, six issues, and (laughs) basically that's six issues of Squirrel Girl running away uh, until Doomsday finally pulls a a Hulk to Squirrel Girl's Wolverine and rips her in half. Not (laughs) that I have anything against Squirrel Girl, but come on. She beat really? Doctor Doom and Thanos. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Jr. Was that really realistic? Come on, guys. Seriously. Uh, well, that's the funny thing about Squirrel Girl is her her inexplicable power is that she wins. 
no matter what. Exactly. She always just wins. And she's freaking nuts. Also created by Ditko. <laughs> <laughs> Does she store them in her mouth? She was not created by Ditko. Oh, yes, she was. No, it's a myth. It's what a do myth. you mean? She penciled, Ditko penciled her first appearance. No, he did not. There's a uh, comic book legends revealed story about that. I can find it for you at some point, but that was it. It was a myth. They not mentioned that, but myth, it's not myth. true. Yes. What movie? Hmm? Okay, never mind. There was Muppet. a Muppet, Muppet movie. Jr. Since I just reread the Gauntlet, I have a question. Why do you think writers haven't tied the other Spider characters more into Spider-Man and established more of its team or Spider family? Because it's a dumb idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, first of all, I mean, whenever you do girl or what a woman or whatever, I mean, one, it's a knockoff character. I mean, the reason Spider, you know, the reason Marvel created Spider Woman and She Hulk, for example, was because they were afraid that CBS was going to do it, so they had to get in and create their character so they could trademark the name. There was no, you know, creative urge to create these characters. Um, Plus, Spider-Man is essentially supposed to be an ordinary guy, and to have a spider family, you know, it, it just, no, that's just silly. I, I think it's just absolutely silly. Uh, Stella, what happened to that Oracle episode with Michael Bailey? Did someone hap- Did something happen, or did you guys just decide to change it to Identity Crisis? Um, well, the thing was that it, it was kind of like a Birds of Prey episode, and so mm-hmm. there's just so much that we would have had to have gone through up to that yeah. point uh, to get ready to actually have an intelligent conversation that we just moved on to something that was pretty fresh in our minds, identity crisis. And, I mean, I'm still up for an episode, I think, whenever we both have, you know, time on our hands. And, yeah. you know, Michael, you can probably add on to this. The thing, the thing about views is, is that it, you know, it's like, hey, let's do a Birds of Prey episode that involves sitting down and reading like forty <laughs> or fifty issues of Birds of Prey, um, which eats into some time. And I, I do like to sleep and spend time with my wife, and <laughs> occasionally watch some TV, and you know, maybe eat some Cheetos. I don't know, but in your beanbag naked. <laughs> I haven't heard Zach's weird comments like that in months. Okay. <laughs> no, that is that is a Ron White reference. Yeah. He knew exactly what that was coming from. Yes, uh, I do. I, I know um, that joke too. Yeah, same no, here. But I but I don't know and, and this is nothing against Stella, so please don't take it like that. Uh I, I don't know if that's gonna be in the cards in, in the near future. Uh, just because of thing, other things that I'm involved with right now that I can't, you know, it's not that she's not invited back to the show, which everybody on this show has an open invitation. Um, I just invitation was already used up. But it's 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 the difference between reading 50 issues of Birds of Prey and seven issues of Identity Crisis. Mm. So gotcha. Uh, to the group, what's the worst thing that you realized after your favorite kids show, such as the Fraggles, Sesame Street, or Barney being evil? I got no answer for this one. I don't know. Anybody? Uh, that the nanny was selling the Muppet babies into slavery. I think that episode. Oh, was pretty, uh, damn it! And got a picture of Valeria Richards. Is he's creeped out by Valeria? That kid grows up really has grows up fast. She was created during the Claremont issues. And, uh, what, late 99, early 2000s, and she's, well, yeah, she's, uh, she's pretty creepy. Yeah. Uh, Heartburn from Alberta, Canada. My gang, my, my, my gang. Hey gang, my birthday is on the 15th, so I thought I'd give a shout out to myself. Also, being when the podcast comes out, happy birthday to Mr. Brad Douglas. Thank you. My birthday is on the 22nd. I will be 36. Bah. You old man. And Zach is alive. Welcome back. Welcome. Two questions this month. Which two Marvel Universe characters would you guys pay to see in a drunken bar fight? Um, Romita Senior Era, Mary Jane and Gwen. Ooh, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> Up top of that uh, answer, that's awesome. Uh, let's see. Uh, Serene, uh, Nick Fury and Steve Rogers. That'd be kind of fun. How about the Hulk and the Thing drunk? That'd be fun. <laughs> Hulk! Sma- Hulk, uh, Hulk, smash. <laughs> Hulk smashed in more ways than one. <laughs> uh, what Spider-Man villain do you think smells the worst? Carrion or, or Vermin? He's down the sewers. Yeah. Blob. <clears throat> or Blob. Oh, he's Blob. 
Uh, Noctis7493 from uh, the Cassandra K Network. Stella and Michael as the Peter... Uh, no, pa- Pater Patriae. Oh, dear. I almost said Peter Parker. Peter, what she said of the Bat family, (laughs) Batman have the right to dictate who can carry the Batgirl mantle. He allowed Elena Bertinelli, no, God, this is a question, to carry the mantle during No Man's Land without Babs' knowledge and approval, and she was extremely pissed. Uh, Sum this question up. It's really long, Stella and Michael. What's she she asking, or he asking? Um, Basically, should... Batman have the say, the final say, the only say as to who actually has um, the Batgirl uh, mantle. Okay. Um, so I guess I'll I'll give my views and then okay. I'll do it quickly and then Michael. Um, I think as yeah as the Potter Potter, I mean the definition of that is that his his word is law. So under that, sure, yes. Um, I think in the end that. It is up to whomever has the mantle to actually hold it and do what they need to do. So Stephanie, you know, she picked it up uh, from Cassandra and she went on her business. But I think that seeking Batman's approval is a really important step for that character to make. So uh, Stephanie's first year as Batgirl, she was kind of um, looked at really closely by uh, Dick while he was Batman. And then, you know, once she finally had his approval, she could kind of move forward. So I think that was a big step. Uh, so it's kind of unfair that they have to be looked at like this. And it does stink that, you know, the, kind of the first person, I know, Josh, but the first person, Barbara Gordon, uh, as Batgirl, doesn't get to decide uh, who gets to take it on. But, you know, he is kind of the the main person who started everything off. So I guess it is his right. Mm-hmm. I think because Barbara is so involved in the Birds of Prey most of the time, which is kind of her own little deal, that she should have a say in it. But since Batman, like you said, whoever is Batman, uh, is, is kind of putting things together in his own house, that he should have some kind of say into who is going to get the mantle and who isn't. I think he would... I think if Barbara came to him and said, look, this girl, whoever it would be, if it wasn't Cassandra or if it wasn't Steph, uh, just she doesn't need to be doing this. This is a horrible idea. You need to take her out. I think he'd take that and listen to it. But, um, you know, he's in charge of the Bat family, so, you know, he gets to hire and fire who he seems fit. Yeah. Uh, as uh, researching on Wikipedia, so give it with a grain of salt, so far Squirrel Girl has defeated Dr. Doom, the Mandarin, Giganto, Modoc, Thanos, Terax, Bug-Eyed Voice, Bybeast, Deadpool, Pluto, Fing-Fang-Foom, Baron Mordo, Korvac, and Ego, the Living Planet. So do not mess with Squirrel Girl. You have been warned. Uh, JGC from Montreal, Canada. Hey, everyone. If Marvel were to do a Spider-Man event that touches every Marvel character, which story would you like to see? <clears throat> I think you could do Symbiotes, but they did that in Mighty Avengers recently. It wrapped three issues. I don't yeah, know. I think it would be better if it comes out of actual story rather than us just sitting here and trying to spin a Spider-Man event. Exactly. I agree. It, it's it's really Dan Slot looking for ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Dang you, JGC. He has he has notebooks, notebooks, notebooks of ideas. <laughs> Persian spider from Tehran, Iran. Mr. Brad Douglas, your daughter is one of the cutest babies I've ever seen. I would agree. By the way, did you know that Ava is also an Iranian name for girls? It means sweet sound in Persian. So very nice. Thank you. I didn't know that. Uh, also, here's a little Ava fact. In uh, Springfield, Missouri, there is a name of a city called Ava, and it's in Douglas County, which I think is really kind of funny. Anyway, uh, to, to Stella, which one do you believe in, evolution or intelligent design, or perhaps something in between? Uh, deep, deep I'm on a, a Spider-Man podcast. Can I mean, I'm a Christian, so I'll go with the creationist <clears throat> theory. I'm not really sure exactly. Intelligent design is like AI, isn't it? I, uh, no, yeah. it, it's basically God had a plan, so evolution oh. kind of works. Oh, I see. So intelligent design is more along the line of creation theory. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. Then I'll go with intelligent design. Okay. 
to everyone, will you shed a tear if Stanley dies? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that'd be depressing. That'd be, awful. that'd be awful. I'd be sad. I don't know if I'd actually cry. Uh, to JR, cry really man tear. To JR and Michael, why do you think the first Superman and Amazing Spider-Man crossover failed to live up to the hype? I don't think it failed. Didn't it sell millions of copies? I don't. Yeah, I don't think it really failed. I don't think they had the hype machine back in those days that they do. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, Mr. Bailey has his own take. I mean, I'll give my two cents here quickly. I just didn't think that first one was as good as it could have been. I mean, the second one I thought was better because you saw Superman and you know Clark Kent and Peter Parker interact with the other characters supporting cast, whereas the first one was. I just you didn't have that feeling that they really you know it was like an extended team up you know it really wasn't a great story but I I don't think there was a whole lot of hype surrounding it I think it was fairly well received yeah I mean for me the 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 first one is good mainly because it you know it's it's the first time the two characters were getting together and both companies really didn't know how to work that out yet so it, it happened the way it happened but I agree with Jr. the second one both writing. And especially art-wise, John Buscema's Superman was freaking awesome. <laughs> and his Clark Kent was – he modernized Superman and Clark Kent and made them look good. Not like – Clark didn't look like a nerd. He was mild-mannered, and he was getting hit on by um, – was it Glory Grant that was hitting on him that wanted to did try it, a little I, bit of Clark I don't remember. Size? I haven't read it in a long time. Me neither. Um, did, did Buscema ever do any DC work? I don't think he did. I think I could be wrong. Marvel. He drew the Stanley Presents Superman special when Stanley was reimagining all the DC characters, and that. Are you book. serious? I thought he was dead by then. No, he was already dead. Yeah, I could. Get I thought he died in like '04. Yeah, he died a long time ago. That was like in 2000, though. Oh, okay. Was it really? Stanley Presents was like 1999, 2000. Oh, okay. He was alive then, I would think. Okay, then he was, uh, yeah, because, well, because he did the 2000 annual for Amazing Spider-Man with uh, the Ranger going back to the medieval wow. times. Yeah, that was an awful story. Crazy. Uh, let's see, to Kevin, will you buy a PlayStation 3 if they make a Morbius video game? And did you know that Morbius was an exclusive villain in some special editions of the Spider-Man 3 video game? I, I First, first question, no. Second question, yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm just not a video gamer. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> well, if you didn't already have a Blu-ray, I would just say just get it for the Blu-ray aspect of it. He, he yeah, does. But I got Blu-ray player. Yeah. All right, last question from uh, – actually, the last poster has the questions for all of us. Still a nerd from Washington. Woo-hoo. Brad, how has being a father changed your perspective in viewing comics, films, games, and other forms of entertainment? Uh, I still like them all. I don't think I'm more <laughs> selective. I mean – um. Maybe when she gets older, but I don't really have it. I've seen less of them. I'll give you that. <laughs> For Michael, let's say Warner Brothers, DC, actually loses the rights to Superman, and Marvel Disney manages to acquire these rights. How would you introduce Superman into the Marvel Universe, and what changes can you see happening to the DC Universe? You take Superman out of the DC Universe, you're just t- you're taking one of the pillars of the universe out of, uh, out of it. I mean, they, they've done... Stories like JLA The Nail, uh, where, uh, because Mom, Pa, Kent got a flat tire, they didn't see, they didn't get the ship, and he was raised by some Amish people. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry. Jedediah Kent. Um, but, um, see, the reason why I don't like this question is because, I really don't think Superman fits in with Marvel, the Marvel Universe. I think DC and Marvel are two really distinct entities whose characters operate on different levels. I, I think, you know, overall, Marvel has less powerful characters. That's not to say that they're bad characters. It's just, you know, it seems like DC characters are just amped up power-wise. Would it, and, would it not be similar to Captain America being unfrozen from the Golden Age? Would it not be a man out of time or a man out of you know, or something? You could do it like that. Yeah. You could have it that he's been there the entire time and shoehorn him into a bunch of stories. You could have him just <clears> – <throat> but the thing is, is that – they are, Didn't they try that with the century? I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, but. well, the, the great thing about Superman is that 
of his generation or in general, he was the first of the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little harder now in DC because of the, the fact that you have all the JSA and all-star squadron members from the golden age, but he was the one that came out first and did, you know, you know, and it's not so much inspired, but helped usher in Batman, Flash, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, and all of them coming into being. And you can't do that in the Marvel Universe because they're already there. So putting him in the Marvel Universe would be very similar to just dropping the century in and saying, mm-hmm. hey, here, here's, here's a Superman-like character. Go with it. So I think... DC would suffer, but you know what? They're they're pretty much making Green Lantern super, you know, shoehorning him into Superman's role in the DC universe anyway. So I guess they're prepping for it. Hmm. Uh, for Jr. Some question, same question as Michael's, only this time: If Marvel Disney would lose the right to Spider-Man and Warner Brothers acquires those rights, what would Spider-Man be like at DC? Well, first of all, Charles Darwin will say he believes in intelligent design before you'll see Disney lose any of their characters. <laughs> it's too late in the show. It's too late in the show for me to even speculate on something like that. It's it's not even a plausible yeah. uh, thing. For Kevin, what do you believe are the similarities and differences in terms of characterization between your Crawl Space version of Carly Cooper and Marvel's version of Carly Cooper? Well, at this point, they're just completely different characters. I mean, when I picked her up, um, she was pretty much a blank slate. They hadn't really done hardly anything with her. It was still only like six months into Brand New Day, so I just got to take this character with a name <laughs> and spin my own character out of it. And they've since gone in completely different directions with theirs. So, um, yeah, I don't think there, are, there really are any similarities between the two versions. <laughs> Zach hates... Uh... The new Carly Cooper. Zach likes really? Kevin's Carly Cooper. Zach <laughs> likes talking in third person. Yes. <laughs> like Julius Caesar. There you go. Or Bob Dole. Uh, <laughs> I'm Bob Dole. I'm Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Viagra Bob Dole. I'm pretty hard up. Uh, for Steve, <laughs> <laughs> no. heard of the Birds of Prey TV show. So, what's your opinion of it? Um, yes, to both of those, I've both heard of it and I have the the complete series which is really its first season on DVD. Um, I thought it was well done. Um, the thing that I did not like about it was Dinah the teenager. She was just kind of vexing to me and it would have been great to actually see Dinah Lance. Um, I mean we get to see her. It's her mother and she's the black canary but uh, it, it's uh, if it would have continued um, I think it would have been awesome to incorporate some of, you know, the the Bat family to actually see Nightwing come in there. That would have been great. But it it was good to see um, someone that pulled off, Dina Meyer, right, um, or Dinah Meyer, uh, pulled off a great oracle. So was, okay. uh, And also Michael Rosenbaum back for Smallville's last episode. Yeah. Hell yes. Yes. <laughs> Bailey's kind of so-so about it, right? I think he took a break with his wife. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really glad for everybody who's excited, but my feeling is if the man wanted to stay away, it was his right. He put in his time. He's doing it. He owes us nothing. I, well, I don't care what he owes us. I just don't think this particular TV show would have really been complete without bringing him in at the end. It's not about him. It's about the show. Totally. Well, I understand that, but it just se- it, it seemed to me that there was almost this – um, amongst uh, a select group of Smallville fans like this, you you got to do it because you, you don't have a choice, and that kind of put me off because it's like, you know, he left the show for a reason. Come on. He left the show because they weren't using his talent. You know, he you know it was the fan sense of entitlement that bothered me more than anything. Uh, no. uh, last two questions. For Zach, do you believe that Ben Riley Kane and other clones had souls? That is <sighs> the concept of souls. Why or why not? Um, man, this is a very deep question. Deep. Um, uh, just to give you a hey, just to give you a kind of a brief thing, I think that they have a piece of Peter's soul. And I, you know what? I will. What I will do, still a nerd, is I'm. I will write a write up on Spider.com because you've you've got the wheels turning now. That's a good good topic. And so I'm going to um, I'm gonna I'll do a write up for you on Spider.com. Look for that. And believe soon. it or not, that's actually a big theme of the next arc of Crawl Space, which is in fact titled "Cloned Souls." 
Dum, dum, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> On the next episode of... No. Uh, everyone, <laughs> if Spider-Man, Jameson, and the Daily Bugle existed in the real world, and you didn't know anything about Spider-Man other than what was reported in the Bugle and other news outlets, would you consider Spider-Man a hero or a menace? Probably a menace, because, I mean, if you're just reading Jameson, it's like, Oh, bugger! Give me some pictures! <laughs> hero or menace? Yeah, but, 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 but I think Jameson's enough of a douchebag that, uh, <laughs> that people would be like, not, that, that there would be a group of people who wouldn't buy into anything he said. <laughs> That's true. Well, if we're talking about the modern real world, it's not like we would just have the Daily Bugle to go off of. We'd have yeah. cell phone coverage and, you know, right-wing, left-wing news channels and all kinds of different stuff. And a certain website called Crawl Space that would have exactly. pictures of a guy with a black codpiece. <laughs> shoving it some happy thug's face exactly that's the kind of pictures I would have in my email from the love that dare not speak its name Nazi. I'd have uh, Peter Parker at yahoo.com sending me pictures so I can <laughs> up on the front page uh, hero or menace would be my headline that'd be funny um, no I, I think we'd have multiple sources of information It's a lo- uh, the world is a lot different than where we get our mail our mail, our news just from the uh, newspapers or the dailybugle.com so I think we would call him a hero because he looks cool and he saves redheads <laughs> so what you gonna do yeah I got an ex-girlfriend that he could not <laughs> save so oh, dear. well then alright any final words before I hit stop mm. I'm ready for a Boca burger. A what burger? A Boca burger. It's a meatless soy burger. Ew, so it's not it's a burger? Very good. You can't oh, it's very have good. a burger with no No, meat. I don't eat beef. Wow. Sorry. Not even a steak? <laughs> no. No. Not even beef stew? No. No chili? No cow whatsoever. Damn! <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zach, you get a final word this month. What do you like, sir? What, what, what's your final word? Are you happy to be back? Okay, sorry. Whoa, hi. Yes, I am happy to be back. <laughs> I was on mute the entire time. The, uh, <laughs> um, the Crowley Awards, they're going to be starting, uh, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out. So Brad and I will have something to talk about in the next month. There you go. Awesome. Anybody sure else? Folks. I appreciate y'all taking four hours. My God. It's only an hour and a half for me. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> Go eat a burger burger or whatever. Book a burger. Book a burger. Oh, my goodness. Do you not eat any meat at all? I just don't eat beef. Oh, huh. Are you okay? <laughs> oh, you're gross. No, no, I didn't say I didn't mean it like that. Oh, what about that? That was me. That was me what, being five. I'm what sorry. What about chicken nuggets? I, yeah, I like chicken. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I totally forgot about that. Oh. So, yeah. so you and I go out to eat in California. Uh oh, are you asking her out right now? Oh dear. Shut up, Brad. So, yeah, I'm, I'm probably gonna end up eating tofu. I mean, I don't punish other people for eating it. I just don't eat beef. Okay. Yeah, but I'm guys, I'm, I'm going to depart. I've got a, uh, I have a, I have a 6:45 a.m. flight to Minneapolis tomorrow. Oh my God! And I have things I have to get done, so I am going Cheers. to sign off and say it was a pleasure, and I will see you next month. See you, Jr. Yeah. I didn't hardly talk to you, but bye. <laughs> All right. I've got a whiz like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. So I guess that's now you're just bragging. <laughs> uh, I, I put a link into the thing for everybody. I sent it to Brad, but he never mentioned it, so I'm assuming oh. he ignored it. Where? Uh, that um, comic book urban legends thing from Comic Book Resources unearthed a Spider-Man Planned Parenthood. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, I read that one. I've read. That's like the only reason I go to CBR anymore. Yeah. Honestly. Comic Legends revealed are good. I had that for spider captions or something about safe sex. Yeah. It was funny. Um, okay, I seriously do have to pee like you wouldn't believe, yeah, so I'm going to we'll, leave. We'll, we'll be in contact if, if you can some, if somehow can get you down to hang out with us in San Diego. It's not likely, but it would be nice. And honestly, I've... I'm not sure when the next podcast I'm going to be able to be on is, because I'm not... It's right. like I might not even have internet in my room at the... At school, so <laughs> it could be interesting coming up here. Aww. But at very least, I know I'm going to be back in Louisville for most of June, so if nothing else... 
Well, we could always connect you on your cell phone. Maybe. That's that's yeah. a thought. You it's going to be a matter of A, got... getting the comics, and B, being able to be on the call. So we'll just, yeah. I'll, I'll do my best, and we'll have to talk about it. Cool. All right. That's a wrap, gang. Okay. Bye, Brad. Later. See you guys. Thank you for your time. Bye, Michael. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye. Not even a hamburger? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go. I can't. I can't. <laughs> Brad, we'll have a hamburger together. All says. right, dog. See you guys. Bye. <laughs> And that wraps up the last show for February 2011. Before we go, I want to thank MailOrderComics.com for sponsoring this show. Another example of their great prices is on the sixth and final issue of Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine. This wraps up their year-long time-traveling adventure, written by Jason Aaron. In this issue, Spidey battles Wolverine, who now possesses the powers of the Dark Phoenix. Well, the cover price for this book is $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks so much for listening, gang. We'll do it all again next month. So until then, I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com.